May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. So, some fun facts about John to get us going. First fun fact. Jesus' mother is never given a name in John's Gospel. She is always the mother of Jesus and never called Mary. Here's the first fun fact. The second fun fact is she only appears twice. Here and one other place. Can anyone think where the other place is? Sorry? At the cross. At the cross. So she appears at the beginning of his life of ministry in this story, and then she appears at the end at the crucifixion. And both those stories are linked by the phrase, My hour, in this story, My hour has not yet come, and that story, My hour has come. And the interesting phrase, On the third day, which starts the story. Like, on the third day of what? Well, John doesn't say, but there it is, on the third day. So the story of the wedding of Cana and the story of the crucifixion are linked by Mary, the mother of Jesus. So here's another fun fact. The story of the wedding at Cana only appears in John, nowhere else. And so if you were to say to someone who has only ever read Matthew, Mark or Luke that Jesus' ministry starts with the miracle of the wine, turning the water to the wine in Cana, they would stare blankly at you. They would go, we have no idea what you're talking about. We've never read that story. So this story only appears here. There's actually another problem with that description of it, but I'll come back to that. So, how do the other gospel writers start the ministry of Jesus? Well, here's another fun fact. They all start with a different story. So, what are those stories? I'll give you a minute to turn to your neighbours, and you all have Bibles in front of you, so you're allowed to look them up. This is an open book test. What are the stories that start Jesus' ministry? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I mean, if you know, you don't need to look at your Bibles, but. Just a hint, Mark's first story is very early on, and Matthew and Luke, you have to go through a few chapters before you get there. He's got all, they've got all that Christmassy stuff. Sorted. 
So it's after John the Baptist, after the wilderness, after he's got some disciples, and then he does something. So, Matthew. Who's found Matthew? I know these people have, because they were talking about it. What did Jesus say just before Janet about Matthew? What was the first thing Jesus did? So, Matthew... The first thing is the Sermon on the Mount. So there's a bit of wandering around and healing, but the first actual story in Matthew's Gospel is Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. So Mark, this should be easier to find, just right at the beginning. first story in Mark is an exorcism and Luke what does he do in Luke he goes back to Nazareth he goes home next week's story which doesn't go well for him so three four different stories in those four gospels in John wedding at Cana Matthew sermon on the mount Mark he's at Capernaum and there's an exorcism, and Luke, he goes home. They're not even set in the same place. So if we were saying that these are history books, we'd be a little confused by this, because the stories are so different. But they're theology books. And so the question is always, why has this gospel writer started the ministry of Jesus with this story? What is the gospel writer trying to say about Jesus by beginning with Wedding at Cana, Sermon on the Mount, and Exorcism, Going Home. So last fun fact. The miracle of the water and the wine, it's kind of a miracle. It feels pretty... Now you can go back and stay for a while on the big picture. We'll get to the stone jars. But John doesn't call it a miracle. He calls it a sign. Why does he call it a sign? Because he says that Jesus says that people who believe in him because of miracles are flaky. They are the first to go when things don't measure up to their expectations. And there is a story about a whole lot of believers who disappear when Jesus starts talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. So John calls them signs. So this is the first sign. (coughs) And that's an important word because it tells us not to get hung up on what Jesus does, but instead look to where the sign is pointing. 
So where is this sign pointing? What is John trying to say about who Jesus is in this story? And through that, what is John trying to say about who God is in this story? So let's spend a moment in the story. Life was hard. Life was very hard. And it had gotten harder lately. Each day was defined by back-breaking poverty. The struggle just to eat, just to live. And Cana was a small, poor village filled with poor people, forgotten people. But there are moments when all of that can be put down. Moments when the daily grind to survive can be put to one side. Forgotten for a moment, lost in moments of celebration, like when two families agree on the marriage of children. The date is set, the village gathers, and they bring their koha to add to the putia, to add to what meagre food and wine those families had been able to scrabble together. The people gather with the woman out the back, the ringawera, ensuring the food is ready, the wine is available. Overseen by Kuya, Fano from there and near, joining in and overseeing, enjoying the party in their own way. And so it was in this poor village. They gathered people, food and wine. And they celebrated as well as they could. And then, after some time, the wine begins to run out. It was never great wine. These are poor people. But now the dark shadow of life, defined by soul-sapping poverty, beckons. So one of the respected kuya speaks quietly to her son, they have no wine. And he says to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. And she turns to those serving and says, Do whatever he tells you. Sign. He looks around and sees six stone jars. Massive stone jars used for ritual washing, washing away the dirt and grime, but standing empty. Fill them. They do. It takes time. And so, sometime later, they come to him. The party is starting to wind down with that sad feeling when parting ends and life resumes. Filling the space. Draw some and take it to the head of the party. They do. And his eyes open so wide. So wide. His mouth gapes so wide. What is this? He asks. Where has this come from? And why is it being brought out now? He does not know any answers. But they do this strange secret. And they know how much there is. An abundance. An overflowing abundance. 
of magnificently beautiful wine. Wine they will never drink again. Some will cry with the beauty of this wine. Provided in such abundance, an overflowing abundance, 500 litres of the best wine you can imagine. Of sweet wine that knows, drawing you in, sumptuously wrapping the tongue with luscious flavours, the hint of far-off places, and such fine afternotes. And so it begins with this abundance of magnificent wine and great partying. Ha! So what is John trying to tell us about Jesus with this story? John says that the Word became flesh, and from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. And here, John tells a story about what this grace upon grace is like, what it looks like, what it feels like, what it smells like, what it sounds like, what it tastes like. Not some abstract idea. The sound of a celebration embraced with some of the finest wine available. These forgotten people drink the best of wine that even Pilate and Herod would kill for. Literally. Life would never be the same after this party. After this grace upon grace. So the question is, when have you experienced this grace upon grace? When has been some of your wedding at Cana moments? And as you think about that, what did it look like? What did it sound like? What did it feel like? What did it smell like? And what did it taste like? So spend a moment thinking about that. And if you're bold enough, turn to your neighbour and tell your story. When have you experienced grace upon grace? It doesn't need to be quite as dramatic as the wedding at Cana. But when is your moment? One last question, which you don't need to talk about now, but how do you live in such grace? We've talked about those grace upon grace moments, but how do you live in that grace? Happily. There's a good answer. Thankfully. With faith. So that's our creed. So we're going to have prayers. Hopefully.